Welcome to Her Way Podcast. Today we spoke with Chero Ramanathan, co-founder and CEO at Vital Exchange. In this episode, Chero shares about her motivation to start companies across various fields, how she cultivates successful teams, and the importance of maintaining core business values. We hope you enjoy. Her Way Podcast is dedicated to promoting the stories of innovative women across all different career fields. We hope to learn from their stories and provide young women like ourselves with strong role models. We're your co-hosts, Caroline and Sophie. Charo Monathon is the co-founder and CEO at Vital Exchange, a digital health platform that provides a safe parenting ecosystem to foster the vital exchange of information and coaching to help parents support their children's needs. We hope you enjoy the interview. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Her Way. Today we are super excited to interview and speak with Charu Manathan, the co-founder and CEO at Vital Exchange. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on here today. My pleasure, Sophie. So to begin the interview, could you tell us a little bit about your personal journey and your background, maybe where you grew up, your family, your education? Sure. Um, I grew up in Kochi, Kerala, India, which is in the southern part of India. Um, and uh, I did my undergraduate degree in biomedical engineering and came to, came to the United States for my graduate degree in biomedical engineering, and I ended up doing a PhD. That's awesome. So how would you describe your current job at Vital Exchange, as well as your past work in creating both Cardio Insight and Lokyata? I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, so I am the CEO and co-founder of Vital Exchange, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we're an early stage startup. And um, my job is, you know, as I like to describe it, is chief cook and bottle washer. I do everything, <laughs> anything that requires to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mainly, um, I, I drive the strategy. I, di- I drive the business development conversations, uh, the value proposition. Uh, you know how uh, and find avenues where our product can can add value. Yeah, it's awesome. And then I sort of do similar things. I did exactly the same thing with the company that I first, uh, that kind of made me an entrepreneur, which is Cardio Insight. I was a co-inventor of the technology as well. So I was a chief scientist on the project. I did a lot of clinical work and engineering work at Cardio Insight. Mm-hmm. And Lokyata, I am one of the three co-founders and I am the chairman of the board. I support the CEO and the management team in the work they do, which is in financial inclusion. So helping a lot of people that are usually excluded by the traditional lending system, money lending system, um, to actually find avenues to get safe and um, uh, inclusive capital. Wow, that's super impressive. Could you explain what led you to this intersection that you sort of talked about between business, entrepreneurship, technology, and the medical field that got you to where you are today? Yeah, that's a really good question. So as I mentioned, my first, you know, kind of uh, taste of entrepreneurship came right out of um, academia when I finished my PhD and I was in the right place at the right time as a co-inventor of the technology to take it from bench to bedside and bring it to patients. Mm -hmm. And I was very um, happy with that journey and the fact that my invention could help you know, millions of heart patients. But what what kind of got lost after I had a successful exit and was working with the corporation that acquired it 
And really looking back at my journey, one of the things I realized was that the device that I'd, I had developed and the price point of the device would make it inaccessible to millions of patients mm. uh, in parts of the uh, parts of the world that I came from. So um, it was a realization that business must have a double, all businesses, wherever possible, should have a double bottom line. You have to be solving a really important problem and the path towards that solution must be accessible, sustainable, and inclusive to everyone that needs it. And um, that was one of the key missions, both uh, mission and drive between, like among both my companies, Lokiata as well as Vital Exchange is both are only choosing opportunities for growth that are in alignment with this mission. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Was there anyone specific that you that you looked up to on your path for either of the companies? Oh, millions. I mean, millions of people, both in terms of thought leadership, in terms of media, but also personal mentorship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people that are, are on my board or advisors, um, you know, uh, my customers. Um, you know, Vital Exchange is a parenting platform. We started in the special needs and neurodiversity population. I mean, meeting these parents that were like superheroes that had figured out how to find the resources that their children needed to thrive was incredibly formative. Um, even, even though I'm a little bit mature in my career stages, I'm still learning a lot and feeling inspired and mentored by, by very common folks that are doing extraordinary things. Yeah, definitely. And you started, like you talked about, many very different, unique and successful companies that each cover various fields, but also have um, similar overlapping intersections. And how are you able to start these businesses that cover these various fields? Right. No, I think it's, you know, it, it, it does take a village um, to, to do a company and, and to do it in the right way. So I surround myself with a lot of advisors, mm -hmm. uh, board members, team members, um, that are a, that kind of are mission aligned, that are able to support um, our organization to be successful, and they're always keeping the mission first. So yeah, it, it is a lot of people in each of these companies that come with their own domain expertises, that come with clout and networks that help support our mission to move forward. Yeah, definitely. Was there any specific motivation for you in creating each of these companies? Um, you know, pretty, it's, it's pretty trite when I say it, but it's do good while making money. So. Right. Yes, definitely. And that kind of leads us to the next question. And I feel like a lot of your work in current past, both your current and past work revolves around making impact, like you said, across various communities and, um, being an entrepreneur, there's often a trade-off between making a social impact and making money with businesses. So I was wondering, how do you think about this trade-off when you start these different businesses? Yeah, so I think, I mean, trade-off is a very strong word, but I think it actually act, accurately captures what it is really. So for example, traditional investment dollars really focus on a single bottom line, which is how do you get to path towards, you know, um, a good return on investment? Um, so like right from choosing, so I, a lot of investors, a lot of uh, people would view impact businesses as not suitable for um, 
the double bottom line growth is really hard for a lot of people to envision. So the trade-off there is you're not very attractive to a, different types of investors. And, and you have to carve out a unique pathway, which obviously is very risky uh, because you've got to stick to your mission and not compromise it. Um, a lot of times what happens to impact-focused organizations is they follow the money and lose the mission. So the big trade-off we have is keeping the mission and making sure that we're bringing in both uh, talent and dollars that won't compromise the mission, which means the biggest trade-off is time. It, it takes more time to, to get all of the all of these uh, factions to align. Yeah, definitely. And you talked about keeping your mission aligned. And how do you how did you prioritize and maintain your core values that you had from the beginning in a business when it starts to take off? Um, it's it's a constant work in progress. Um, and I think that. Um, you know, one of the things that I have religiously applied since my first company is always weigh every decision, every partnership um, with, you know, is this compromising our mission or is it supporting our mission? And it's hard because sometimes you have to walk away from opportunities and partnerships that just are not going to work, uh, you know, best for the long term. Yeah, definitely. And going back to your education that you talked about, you studied biomedical engineering in your, in your education in India, I believe, and then received a PhD from Case Western University. So given your extensive experience in biotechnology, I was wondering why did you choose to start companies like you did the three various ones versus joining a big already established pharmaceutical or healthcare company? Uh, <laughs> that's a good, uh, good question. Um, I, I do think there's a DNA element here. Um, there are people that are really built for entrepreneurial, you know, um, environments, and then there are people that are built for corporate environments. And I just happen to be someone that really likes likes to be, you know, ground zero. I like to work, you know, shape it. I, I like to contribute to the creation of something from ground zero. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of extra work, but it's very, very fulfilling. And so um, it's for me, that's sort of, you know, um, as one of my advisors said early on, as I was going through my first, first exit transaction, he said, Tiggers need to do what Tiggers do best, which is jump around. And, and, and I'm a Tigger. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'm going to fit in an environment that's very conforming to uh, someone else's uh, corporate infrastructure or rules. Mm. And this is how I create. And, and, and I love working with others that have similar mindsets. Yeah, definitely. What would, you, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your current work or your past work that you've seen after creating these companies? Yeah, I think the, the rewarding part is being directly in touch with the people that we serve, um, mm. you know, and we're not talking about thousands and millions. We're actually seeing, you know, one, our first, our second, our hundredth uh, family being served and telling you that, um, you know, you're, um, you know, this is the best thing that has happened. Or more recently, we had somebody tell us, thank you for doing God's work. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when people say something like that, it's just, I mean, I, I think there's no more self-care or mental health you know, uh, support that you can get rather than someone telling you that the work you're doing is valuable to them and their lives. Yeah, definitely. I think the direct impact is sometimes the best 
and the most rewarding aspects. And since your early education focused on the technical aspects of biomedical engineering, I was wondering how did you sort of develop the skills required to start a business and become an entrepreneur? Uh, by making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think I think that's, you know, especially to the view, uh, audience of, of this podcast, I would I would encourage uh, to make as many mistakes and learn from them as possible. Mm. Uh, I think, um, you know, safety and protecting yourself from following a path that's more formulaic and laid out for you um, tends to stunt learning. Um, and, and and learning mustn't stop, cannot stop, and learning should continue till the day you you leave this earth, right? So right. it's it's really a process of a lot of learning um, and mis making mistakes and having the self confidence to get up and try again something new. So yeah, definitely. And talking about making mistakes and starting this journey of making these companies, when you started and began to think of the idea of vital exchange. How did you refine your ideas based on the feedback that you received? Yeah, so we did, I mean, we did, we, we do extensive, like I kind of take, a, because I am a scientist by background, I do take a very scientific approach to how I assess the market and what people are telling us. So we did interview all the stakeholders. So for example, we are a healthcare startup. So we have essentially four types of stakeholders. We have the physician, we have the insurance company that's paying the bills, we have the providers or hospital systems that, you know, that uh, deliver the care, and finally you have the patient. And so we, we, we decided early on that we will have one master and that's the patient. Everybody else, we would have to see whether or not they would be barriers and and if they are if there's going to be barriers with them how do we lower those lower those barriers and where can we make the most impact so we actually started viral exchange in the special needs um the autism neurodiversity environment and when we launched our pilot beta pilot we it it was just at the beginning of covid mm. so a lot of the families that signed up with us suddenly had a lot of pressures because of the shutdowns and their children who were going to special education and schools and institutions suddenly didn't have the services because they had to be at home. So we learned that that we we learned the struggle firsthand and how dependent these families were. And we also learned that families were struggling to find these resources, mm -hmm. pay for them, navigate to them at the right time. And we 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 kind of um used that and iterated that to right now focusing on the babies, the zero to five-year-olds, because the maximum impact can be had by supporting families through that early diagnosis, identification of behavioral challenges before, you know, it's it's too late and and mm -hmm. and it's costly and it's it's really challenging. So um it, you know, we've we've iterated quite a bit over the last couple of years to get to where we are today. Yeah, definitely. And touching on COVID, I just realized it probably had a massive impact on the families you're helping and you're trying to work with. So I was wondering if you have any specific examples of any situations when COVID definitely provided was a huge obstacle for many families. 
Yeah. So, um, so first we had, we did see that, you know, one in seven children were having developmental delays and challenges when we first started vital exchange and after COVID that number has risen to one in three, including mental health challenges and, and very, very, um, you know, uh, challenging behavior challenges as well, both in school, in the school environment, also among teenagers, et cetera. So, um, so that was one of the areas where we had to really respond to it rapidly by saying, how can we, you know, um, how should we present ourselves in the entire, in, in the entire value chain, if you, if you will, where should we position ourselves where we can have maximum value? Mm. We were kind of at, at the one, the right hand end of it, where the children were already diagnosed, and then the problem reduced to finding the right services at the right time at the right price point, which was okay, was important. Mm -hmm. But we thought what COVID told us was we really needed to be focused on the left side, helping all parents through making sure that they were laying the right foundation for their children and really leveraging the evidence and the science that when parents are involved, they create bonding and they create re relational bonding so that children have a very strong resilience to deal with what comes in their lives much later on in their lives. So, um, you know, our family infrastructure is very different now. It's not very, it's just the, usually the parents uh, and not, not really uh, an extended infrastructure that was available 30 years ago of neighbors, uncles, aunts, grandmas, grandpas. And so we're responding to that and saying, hey, if it's just one parent or two parents that are caring for this child, how do we provide them with all the tools and hands-on support to be able to do the best for their children so that their children are lifelong foundation of resilience and the ability to to have a very strong uh, physical and mental well-being yeah definitely and I imagine that's a really important skill to adapt to feedback as you go and be flexible in working with your business and throughout your career you've also started many companies I think you talked about with different co-founders and so I was wondering what are the pros and cons you've seen of starting a business with this other partner and what are attributes you look for when you're trying to choose that right partner? Right. So I, I do think that it's really important for founders um, to, to have co-founders. Um, you know, it can be very, very challenging. It can, like, as I mentioned, we're, we don't know. We're, um, you know, we're, we're, we're making the railroad as we're driving the train through it or flying a plane as we're building it sort of thing. So it, it can be incredibly lonely. And you really need someone to bounce your ideas off and also collaborate and, and discuss and collaborate, share ideas, critically evaluate them. And that's what a co-founder brings to the table. Um, I do think that trust is an incredibly, incredibly important factor. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, you have to be very, very prudent when, when selecting a co-founder and, um, and, and really be able to connect with them not just on a business basis, but on a personal basis, on a philosophical basis, mm -hmm. because, you know, we, I probably spend more time with my co-founders than even my family. So it's, it's essentially you travel together, you brainstorm together, you withstand the storms together. So it has to be a very deep rooted relationships and don't start businesses with people that you just don't see it that way. 
Yeah, definitely. That's a common pattern I've found in interviewing these entrepreneurs that they you have to build this deep rooted personal relationship before you start looking at the business aspect as well. And you talked about when you take the science scientist approach to building a business, you have to find investors and these health insurance companies and um, work with a lot of different teams. And how I was wondering, how do you build this team with well-rounded traits when you start a business and how do you balance out um, the strengths of everyone? Yeah, so I mean, it that talent is always a challenge because you want to find the right people and you also want to motivate them to stick on with your company for a very long time. So we really like more than the the specific skill, we do look at it. I shouldn't say more than I say in e- like equal, I, just like we're looking for a specific, you know, skill set, background for suitable for that job. We also look for that entrepreneurial DNA. You know, the the person that's willing to roll up their sleeves, understand, you know, that a startup is going to shift gears often or pivot or change directions and um, and and someone that not only is willing to um, thrive in that very uncertain environment, but also uh, able to contribute um, to that Mm -hmm. and take ownership, because a lot of our compensation that a startup offers is through ownership in the company, right? Through shares, through equity. So Mm -hmm. in order to find value in that, they have to feel like they're creating value to the the company. So so we really, so I do think, and we make a lot of mistakes. You know, we have, we've had a lot of team members that came on board, they contributed, it was no longer a fit, sometimes on their side, sometimes sometimes on our side. And and it's just par for the course. We just, you know, roll along because that's usually how things shake out. Yeah, and then and then we have we have um, members that have been part of, you know, all the startups that I've worked with, just because they're just so good and so they're they're amazing that oh, you wow. make it worth your while to bring them to your team because they're that good. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, and a lot of times from talking to inspiring female leaders like yourself, they often talk about the challenges or stereotypes that come with their specific background. And so I was wondering, how does your background, your race, ethnicity, your gender impact the way you envision your companies or specifically Vital Exchange? It, it impacts a lot. I think that, um, I do think that, um, especially, you know, since your podcast is so aptly titled, um, I would definitely say there's a huge gender difference. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, no, there's no way to to pretend uh, that it's 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 all equitable, it's all equal, and all that stuff. It's not, mm-hmm. and um, I do think that recognizing this um, and, um, and not feeling diminished by it or demotivated demotivated by it is really really important. Um, I will also go as far to say that um, a lot of the professional arenas um, are very biased towards male needs mm. and male uh, point of view. Um, for example, I'll give you uh, all the, uh, several of the, I, what I call nurture professions like nursing, teaching, um, you know, therapies are all female driven pr- professions are typically underpaid. They're mm. actually much lower paid than the male, dr- the typical stereotypical male driven professions. So I think 
that really keeping on keeping in mind that change doesn't happen unless you think about it from the bottommost point and kind of grow it mm -hmm. forward um uh, you know uh, it, 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 it's it's not going to change much over over which is which it hasn't like if you look at investment yeah. in women owned companies and things like that it has actually gotten worse since covid because when there's an environmental risk everybody goes and does what they're comfortable with so i'm pretty passionate about women-owned businesses and focusing on women's issues and really elevating what we do um, and what we do best, uh, elevating it, bringing it into the spotlight and, and, and making it very profitable to invest in these businesses. I'm super passionate about that piece. Oh, I see. And it's a journey. And I'm, I'm, I don't think we're at the peak of the journey. We're at the beginning of that journey. So when, yeah. when you guys are, are ready to hit hit the ground running in the next four or five years, you know, the world will be a better place because there's many more, you know, female focused leaders mm -hmm. that are focusing on, you know, uh, female issues and, and, and developing solutions that are not, um, how do I say, configured uh, by, by, by men, but are actually uh, responding to women the way that women need to, need to consume them. Right, so, right. Yeah, definitely. I love that, that answered your question. I, we could have another podcast just on this topic. No, yeah, I love those ideas. And I love the idea of starting from the bottom up. Um, so you account for all, all the groups being impacted. And you talked a little bit about how you've made a lot of mistakes and trial and error by starting all these different companies. So I was wondering if you had any other advice to young high schoolers or specifically entre entrepreneurs um, who are beginning to discover their own passions or might be trying to build their own unique businesses like yours? I think that, um, I, sh I think that this is, you know, fresh out of high school uh, and going into college, you know, the world is your playground. You're mm -hmm. smart, you've, you're, you're at the beginning of the journey. I think you should take risks and I think you should go forward, nurture your ideas and, and see how the world reacts to it. Um, I think this is the time. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and take the opportunity and do what your heart tells you to. Um, I, I always say human intuition is very powerful. By age between 18 and 21, you've got very sharp in, intuitions because if we were in the wild, that's what, keep, what, that, that's what would keep us alive. So I would say focus less on social norms and what other people want you to do and focus more on what it is that you would like to do. And take chances. This is the time to do it. This is the decade to do it. Take yeah. chances because it, what you know, what you will learn from it would it would be incredibly, incredibly, um, you know, it'll shape your life, and 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 that's really, really important. Yeah, definitely. Well, I love that advice, and I think that's a great way to wrap up the interview. I wish we could keep speaking, but I want to be mindful every time. So, thank you so much for being here today, Char. I really appreciate it for including me in this effort and good luck to you of course thank Bye. you so much thanks for tuning in to this episode of her way be sure to look out for the next episode for more information check out herwaypodcast.com and be sure to subscribe to our mailing list to get updates see you next time